The 2023 NFL draft is officially concluded, and the Chiefs have seven new prospects coming into the building. We're going to run you through all of them today with Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, draft fans. We are brought to you today by Ultimate Football GM. It is the best and most comprehensive game you can get into on your phone about how to run a franchise. You can go to ultimate-gm.com and get signed up today. You get 100% boost if you use our code. That's locked on in all caps. Go check out Ultimate Football GM right now. We have a ton that has happened today. Chief's kind of messing with my schedule. I'm live here from RGR East. A lot going on. I have I have to, some qualms that I'm going to have to pick. You guys are going to be talking me off of ledges today. Matt Derrick is here from ChiefsDigest.com. Chris is here. I'm Ryan from RogueAPC.com, NFL 33, and RGR Football. I'm just surprised you have the energy to say all that after the weekend. So I'm just, I don't. I'm running on caffeine and aspirin. That's okay. how the draft Fair. is. That's how everybody should be at the end of the draft. You're just barely alive. Touche. Yeah. I will say this. I, I did enjoy – Watching the NFL draft uh, in the fourth through seventh rounds, I, I did enjoy watching Matt Miller, a uh, guy we've had on and talked to before, actually doing the NFL draft on ESPN. I thought that was really cool. Uh, lots to talk about when we start looking at the Chiefs picks. So let's just get into that right now. Uh, their fourth round pick, I was kind of surprised that they went that direction, although it does make a lot of sense because they need a safety. They're going to need somebody to step in and really take over the Brian Cook type role that he played last year uh, when it comes to special teams. Yeah, and and to me, I mean, we I think we talked about this, uh, you know, the other day. Uh, to me, you know, this is the question about Justin Reed. If if you know Justin Reed's contract has an out after twenty three, there's basically an option for twenty four. If Justin Reed's and not in your long term plans, now's the time to go after a replacement. And and hey, fourth round safety. I mean, that's a little, that's that's in the ballpark of being able to be a guy who you know year two can contribute. And Connor is exactly what the Chiefs like. I mean, he's a versatile guy. He's played corner. He's played safety. Uh, he he's a cover guy. He can play in the slot. He can move around a lot of different places. I mean, that's the, just your your absolute definition of a Chiefs safety. Um, it's a fourth round guy. So let's see what develops and everything. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could be that it doesn't pan out. Justin Reed's still here for two more seasons and you're in good shape that way. Um, but if he develops and can, can be the player that they believe that he can be, which is somebody who can play inside, outside, front, back. I mean, this is the versatility that the Chiefs crave in that position. Well, and the other thing, thing that really, about him. I was just going to say really quick, Ryan, the only thing is that the other thing that stands out to me is everything I read, he's going to be a core special teams guy. That is very important. The special teams units need to get better from last year. Sorry, that's all I was really going to say. Uh, that is an important piece. Um, I, I don't think you can draft base just on special teams, but certainly Dave Tobe is going to be very happy about that. My favorite aspect about him is he is a blitzer. He brings it when he is sent. And I, I like that freeing up some of the nickel corner blitzes, being able to actually play a little bit more diverse coverage. I think that there's a little bit more zone fire in our future. I'm looking for that as well. Nice thing about Shamari Connor is I had him as a high fifth round pick on my board. So I, I like the area that they went in here. And he ends up with being in the safety group is how I had him on the board. He's number six in the athletic matrix overall. He's number 10 in production. In terms of denying the ball, taking it away, forced fumbles, TFLs, eagle and bear rate, 
He's all up there. He's one of the sleeper guys that was productive at the college level that should be able to translate his game. I'm pretty optimistic about that. The role is going to be the role. And like you said, Matt, he's not the only guy in Justin Reed that might have an out after this, this contract year. There's other some one-year contracts there too. Getting younger at this position goes with everything they did last year. Now this secondary is full of young guys with chips on their shoulder and something to prove. Yeah, and I'm and I'm assuming that they're going to keep Connor as a as a safety. I mean, obviously, Legarius Sneed was in this kind of category, the same type of player, and they moved him to corner. Um, there, at this point, Chiefs aren't talking like that. I mean, they are talking as though that they are preparing to use him as a safety. But again, I mean, the way that the NFL is changing, I mean, that safety position, especially that nickel safety or dime safety, is evolving quite quickly. And we've seen the Chiefs go back and forth a little bit about you know whether they're going to they they're they're playing more you know, three, three corners or three safeties, a guy like Connor lets you go back to it. And and I'm, I, I'm glad that, that uh, Chris did bring it up because the guy played 800, oh, more than 800 special team snaps in college. That's a ton. I mean, if he doesn't pan out defensively and all you get out of him is an ace special teams player, well, that's okay. I mean, Dorian O'Daniel turned into that and that was not a failure of a draft pick. I mean, he gave you four, you know, quality seasons of, of being a special, te- a solid special team player. Chris Grease, I'm pretty sure, but he's going to tell us here in a second because special teams is Chris's thing. It's not my thing, but thank you, Matt. I, I took your cue from last night and muted myself. Uh, no, I do think that it's one of the things I want to say. I don't think that you draft him just because of his special teams ability, but I do think that it plays into who you draft. Uh, if you have guys that are ranked around the same and one's going to be a core special teams guy versus another that isn't, uh, and they're the same type of player. In this case, they got a guy that I think can step in and really help, and they really need it considering what they went through last year on special teams. So I like that aspect of it. I like what he brings as a safety, and I do think that he's going to be one of those guys that can step in. And I'm curious to see what they do this year, if they go four safeties or five, but we're a long way from cutdowns at this point. We certainly are, and if we're going to have to cut, we're going to have to cut some other guys because there's other acquisitions on this team. There's an edge rusher that isn't Felix that we're going to have to talk about. We're going to do that right after this. And I'm going to tell you guys about one of my favorite games I've ever played on my phone in Ultimate Football GM. This is a fantastic game. You guys need to go check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app for a while. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty. You get a draft. You get to do exactly what we just been have just been sitting through for the past couple of days. You get to go draft the players. You get to go hire your coaches. You get to choose the schemes. You get to go bring in players that fit those schemes and try to develop them and get them better, and you try to win championships. Won a couple of championships playing over 25 years. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You guys need to check this game out. With Ultimate Football GM, you are responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing the finances, navigating through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world, Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on Chiefs listeners get 100%, 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all caps in the game store that's locked on in all caps. So make sure to check it out today to download the game. Just visit ultimate gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate gm.com ultimate football GM start your dynasty today. 
In a classic Brett Veach move today, he decided to move picks around so that I couldn't have a nice, clean segment on a given pick. Uh, Matt, a, a couple of moves here. Going up to 119, obviously, was something they felt they needed to do. After that, they were without, uh, what was it, the sixth round pick that they had given up, or was it the fifth that they then had to trade back out for? In the end, it comes out as a wash. They still have a fifth-round pick now after a, another acquisition. That seems about right, but what does that tell you about how they felt about the rest of the field after the Tamari Connor selection? Yeah, I mean, to me, and looking at the entire class, I mean, the, the Chiefs hammered away at just premium positions. There wasn't anything going off the board about going into – Anything other than the the meat and potatoes positions of the draft, defensive line, offensive line, secondary. They hit receiver because it was a need. But, I mean, this was, like I said, this is a very meat and potatoes draft. There's not a lot of risk here. I mean, maybe you could say it was a little bit of a risk on day three with, you know, taking a couple of smaller school guys. Um, you know, I, I drafted a couple of players ahead of where I probably would have taken them and where I, I saw a lot of them being prospected and projected. Um, but if, if that's your guy, go get him. And, and in a couple of these positions, it was clearly those players. I mean, you know, uh, Keandre Coburn was clearly a player that they were ready to take at that spot. Connor was a guy that they moved up for to get that. Um, BJ Thompson was a guy I know that they were interested in, wasn't sure they would take him that early. Um, but this is, I, I think that throughout the whole thing, I mean, I think Brett Veach did what he said he was going to do, that he was going to stay true to his board and, and they were going to focus on the premium positions. And I don't think there's a whole lot of risk. I mean, we'll see how much downside there is to this draft in the long term, but I, I think that they played it relatively safe while at the same time trying to maximize value. Chris does actually like the concept of value as well. I'm done muting myself for this episode, so my apologies. Yes, I do appreciate the concept of value. I do think that it's awesome that they were able to trade away one of their sixth, fourth, fifth round next year, uh, just because I do think that building draft capital going forward is going to be important for this team to continue to stay as young as they possibly can and be able to, to go and get guys uh, and have those picks to be able to do so. So I, so I like that move as well. I like the Keandre Coburn pick. I think that you're looking at a guy that could step in and really help you a defensive tackle, it's going to be a question whether or not he can start year one. But I definitely think he's going to be a guy that can come in and contribute. The other big thing about defensive tackle, they don't have anybody in the roster that's on this roster currently that's assigned because Coburn hasn't signed yet that will be on the roster as a DT in 2024. And Coburn is a guy that has the size of 335 pounds. Uh, he played well at Texas. He was pair, a part of a duo down there. Um, that maybe could have come to fruition. Uh, Mauro Joma could have been on this roster too if the Eagles hadn't gone and snatched him away the uh, pick beforehand. But Coburn brings you girth, but he also has some pass rush. He produced over 30 pressures last season. And I think it's a, it, that's kind of a nice mix. He can play the zero tech. He can play the one tech. He can tilt. He can do all the things you need in the A-gaps, but he can also get into that gap and get after the quarterback. And I think that's what I like about him the most. And I also find that it's very interesting that you guys elected to go right past my guy because finally the Kansas State Chiefs have a speed rusher. And that is a man that is uh, played – First at Baylor and later at Stephen F. Austin and B.J. Thompson. Someone that is mistakenly listed as a linebacker on a lot of places around the interwebs right now, folks. He is 243 pounds. He is six foot six, and he is an edge rusher. And I do like the aspect is finally that's like a little bit of lightning to go with the thunder that 
George Koloftis has brought, and Felix is kind of somewhere in the middle for me. So I feel like now you have a gamut, Matt, from going from, from power to burst to speed, and all that rush can change gears and hopefully change up what the quarterbacks are able to do against them. Yeah, hey, you, stole, you stole my lead. You're not the only one excited about the B.J. Thompson pick. Just wanted to show you, show you that. <laughs> job, Ira. Good job. Yeah, you stole my lead because, you know, with the Chiefs hitting defensive line in this uh, on day three, it was thunder and lightning. I mean, they've got a guy who is a, a, a lean, long, once again, you, you guys would say spag type of guy, even though he doesn't maybe have the spags as heft, but he's got the speed. And, and this is, I mean, Thompson's the kind of guy that absolutely Joe Cullen should have a lot of fun trying to sculpt into a, a player. Uh, you can't teach some of the, the tributes and the assets that he has. We'll see if the Chiefs decide to put a little bit of poundage on him or they go ahead and leave him where he is so that he can be that kind of player. But it's something that you – know, a flavor that, once again, that the Chiefs offensive line doesn't have, so it's it's different. And then, yeah, Coburn is the exact opposite. He's almost 100 pounds bigger <laughs> and on the inside. And something that, once again, I mean, the Chiefs have lacked. I mean, we thought that maybe they might have that in trying to bring in Danny Shelton last year. But they haven't had a, a a real, you know, true nose or a one tech that they can just, you know, plug over a center and can, can be a guy that eats up the line. Even Derek Noddy is not really that guy. So, you know, to have that and 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 if you have not heard or seen his press conference yet, um, the excitement that he has with the idea that he was going to be playing alongside Chris Jones was absolutely amazing. But that's exactly what the Chiefs need. I mean, they need a companion for Chris Jones that can, you know, eat up things inside. And that's what Coburn's got the potential to do. So, yeah, I, I really like the approach that they went as far as getting speed on the outside and getting some meat on the inside. And tell you what, that's really hard to do now that every single freaking defensive tackle in college thinks that he can be Aaron Donald. And, <laughs> and none of her are Aaron Donald because they can't bench press 30, 30 reps on the bench press at 280. <laughs> you know, really quick, just because you bring up bench press and you bring up lifting, I thought it was interesting. I saw Rasheed Rice squat 500 pounds. <laughs> which is impressive for a wide receiver his size. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, I, I do. I still like that pick on, on day two. Uh, but getting back to a guy like B.J. Thompson, one of the things that I liked about what I've been reading about him and, and you know, as I'm looking more into him, it does sound like they can add more weight, and they think that he will be fine adding that weight. He's not going to lose much of his speed by adding, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds, and that could give him the ability to do a lot of things. The other thing about Coburn that really could help Kansas City is you saw where they struggled against, uh, you know, the Philly fourth and one. That is a situation where you need a guy with heft. You need a guy that has the ability to, you know, dive in, stand the center up, get a, you know, get low and keep people back. And I think that's going to become an even bigger thing since it isn't changing in the rule book. I think other teams are going to start using it more. So it's going to be something that Kansas is going to have to watch for. It certainly is. I, I think as we roll forward, we also have to get to Nick Jones, and then we're going to have fresh UDFA signings come in here as well. The, I like the fact that it was it was heavy defense on day three. That's the, the way that I felt that it had to go. I have a question with some of the things that were chosen to be passed on, but clearly the guys that got guys that they like. And I want to talk about the, the overall philosophy of this draft. When we get back, we're going to tell you guys about some of our pals first. And I'm going to tell you about our pals over at Bill Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Bill Bar. You absolutely have to try these. 
What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. They only have, these Bill Bars only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait for to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Bill Bars at Bill.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you still get your specialty flavors at Bill.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab grab yourself a box of Bill Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, you can go and get some of the flavors that they have there in brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank us later. What I'm thanking Brett Veach for about later is that I I did feel like when they got to the point where they could go to the Thompson Coburn and Nick Jones picks, it did feel like moving off, moving back from this draft to next year's draft to reacquire that fifth round felt like they'd said, okay, we've got our major goals accomplished. We have a couple of guys we know we like. We're probably higher on than anybody else. We're going to sit back and take our picks where we can take them. And that resulted in those two picks. And Nick Jones is a guy that I think is a developmental prospect that has a lot of upside. He's not the best athlete. He's somewhere in the 30s in the matrix in uh, the CB ranks. That's not the end-all, be-all. We've seen players without elite athleticism be able to play in this defense as well. He comes from a system that is balanced. He can play man. He can play zone. And my favorite thing about him in this last season 14 PBUs. He attacks the ball, and that's the one spot that I feel like, Matt, this secondary needs to improve on is taking the ball away from the opposing offense. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and that's one thing that, you know, Brett Veach has consistently generally favored has been guys that are productive in the defensive secondary that, you know, whether they're getting interceptions or not, that they're breaking up passes, that they're getting their hands on the ball. Um, now, you know, maybe the argument could be made that maybe they do favor breaking up passes and defending passes a little bit more than actually getting your hands on the ball. Um, you know, one one should lead to the other. Um, but that that is at least something that's a common trait amongst all these guys and something that Brett Veach has, has valued. And once again, to make Chris happy, uh, Nick Jones, special teams ace. I mean, again, I mean, your, your seventh round draft pick, if he's going to make the roster, he's going to play every single thing on special teams. And again, I mean, he, I think he had a couple of block punts in college. I mean, you know, this is a guy that, hey, is, and I asked him about, you know, playing special teams and he gets it. So, you know, he understands it's not an opportunity to play football. So uh, that's a, a, another factor. But for your seventh round guys, it's a big factor. Well, and that's huge for him because that is the way he's going to make the roster. He's not going to make it as a guy that could probably start just based on what Kansas City already has at that position. So you're looking at, at trying to get bringing guys that can be your core special teamers. Don't forget, Chris LeMans was one of their core special teams guys. He didn't ever play on defense. He was just a core special teams guy that they kept at, at corner. And so I think that that's important. But the other thing on, you know, when you start looking at the seventh round draft picks, you're drafting those guys because you don't know that you can get them to Kansas City uh, if they're an undrafted free agent. That's the big reason you go get those guys. Maybe he doesn't pan out. Maybe he doesn't make the roster year one. You can't feel bad about a seventh round pick not making the roster. Maybe he's a guy that sticks around on, on the practice squad this year and ends up being somebody that could contribute in year two. We'll see. Uh, but it does sound like he can't contribute on special teams, which is going to help him make this roster, help him with a chance to make this roster, I should say. 
practice squad is right where, where we're talking about right now is, is Chiefs starting to get some UDFA signings in here. They're moving through what is the the, the land rush that is post-draft action. But, Matt, this is a Super Bowl championship team. Practice squad spots are going to be hard to find. I think overall it is about the selections they made. We'll see who else can pan out. On the whole, when I take a look at accomplishing what they had to accomplish, they went and filled their top three needs, one, two, three, in the top 100 picks. They came back and they got players that they feel have upside and a trait they can bank on. I feel like that, in my mind, is the definition of a, of a B to a B-plus actual draft class. I'm going to go with a B-plus right now because I like the upside of a couple of the day three guys. But they got their job done. It's hard to live up to last year, Matt. But how does this feel comparatively to you? What do you grade this one at? I'm trying to figure out how I'm supposed to talk you down from a ledge when you give it a B-plus. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> solid grade here. I demand because we haven't. Because, <laughs> because we haven't talked about him missing out on his defensive end that he wanted. There you I'm go. Sorry, gonna, fullback. We're not going to. And, and <laughs> I, I tell you walk off. I tell you what, seems like you're you're right in the where Chiefs fans are. I, you know, I, I had to put a poll up on on Twitter, and you know, right now, sixty five percent are giving it a, a B, um, almost eighteen percent are an A, fifteen percent a C, and and less than two percent a D or an F. So, mm. um, not a lot of dissatisfaction with this draft, and I don't think there is any reason to be. I mean, I like you said. I mean, I, I think that they accomplished what they wanted to do, and really interesting to see we'll get a chance to talk to brad veach on monday and i'm going to be interested to see you know kind of what his philosophy was after the fact because like i said you know this there's not a whole lot of risk in this i mean it's not like that they they took any positions that you know are volatile positions in, in an nfl draft i mean they took things that you just need a lot of guys for i mean you need more defensive linemen you need more offensive line help you need more corners and safeties i mean they went at places that Hey, if these guys hit, it's great. But at the same time, you know, if they don't, it's not going to be deal breakers. But they're taking shots at positions of need, and so um, I, I, and I, and I, I, by and large, I think that they generally got the players that they wanted. I don't think there was a whole lot. The only thing I could really say, and 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 I know that the Chiefs were high on Felix. I think they could have taken Felix later and still been happy with him. But you know that I think. To a certain degree, you probably have to at least feel a little bit like you had to settle at 31 because there were opportunities to, you know, to get somebody else if the trade opportunities to move up. I mean, I think the Chiefs and, and Brad Veach will never say this, and I don't blame him. He's never going to put his guy in that spot. But I think they would have loved to have landed somebody else, but they're happy settling for Felix and Aduke Ozama because I, I feel like that, they, hey, they were like, if that's the guy that we end up with, great. But they certainly were shooting for higher than that. Well, and, and who knows what that means for the rest of the positions that they took, you know, in rounds two and three, how they would have been able to uh, move in and go get those guys. I do think it's interesting. We start, we sit here and we talk about this draft. But if you look back at last year's draft and you look at this year's draft, they've basically rebuilt that defensive end position in two drafts. Uh, they still have a lot of work to do defense tackle. They still have some work to do wide receiver. But they've also restocked the, you know, wide receiver a little bit with, you know, the addition of Kadarius Tony with, you know, Skymore last year, Rasheed Rice this year. So I think you're feeling pretty good about those positions. They're turning over some of the bigger positions on a regular basis now. And the big question that we had going into this draft was who was going to be the left tackle? It looks like that's going to be Jawan Taylor. And now that they ha now they have competition for right tackle. So I think you have to feel pretty good if 
they can get a right tackle that you know is even just a little bit above average as a solid starter, you've got to feel pretty good about the offensive line they're going to put around Patrick. So overall, I like the draft. I like what they were able to get done. I do think that obviously there's always going to be more guys that you wish they could, they could have gotten, but uh, overall, I, I like where they went with this. And when you start looking at how many picks they had, we always, th- you know, Ryan and I always thought there's no way they're going to make, make this many picks. So it made sense to be able to trade up, go get your guys. And I think that they attacked the positions they wanted to attack. And you make a really interesting point, too, about defensive line, because I remember being in Indianapolis at the Combine last year and coming off the way that the Chiefs ended the season. There was a lot of, you know, talk about the fact that the Chiefs needed to do exactly what they did the previous offseason with the offensive line after the disappointing loss in the Super Bowl was completely blow up and rebuild the defensive line. And, And Brett Veach was like, you know what? we need to be a little bit slower. That's not a one year fix. You know, this is something that we're going to have to do over a couple of years and true to his word. I mean, that's exactly what they've done. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of turnover on that line. There's new faces. I mean, Chris Jones is obviously still there, but you look at now they've put two first round draft picks into that. They have invested in free agency. I mean, they've invested in other draft picks. I mean, they have put resources into that defensive line and no, it was not a one year fix. But my goodness, I mean, if this defensive front lives up to its potential, I mean, this was a really good pass rush last season. I mean, it was more of, I think, a collection and and Chris Jones and everybody trying to help out Chris. But if Chris Jones is able to have anywhere close to the year he did a year ago with this group, I think this group is better than they were last year. So in theory, you know, maybe the sky's the limit on how good this group can be as a pass rushing unit as maybe being better than the individual parts. I got to hope so because I'm about ready to have the defense step up and, and be able to hold its own with this Mahomes magic. That's the key to a dynasty. We're going to talk about what this means about how the dynasty comes together, who joins it by via UDFA, and if anything crazy happens here in the next 48 hours with some veteran players maybe being able to be moved around the board here in the that, NFL. That's a huge question though, Ryan, is, is who now gets released? Yep. That, that's the biggest thing that you're going to be dealing with over the next couple of days. Yeah, you're going to get UDFAs, but what players get released because they just had their replacement? We saw a huge trade, DeAndre Swift going to the Eagles earlier uh, after they you know, drafted Jamar Gibbs. So something to watch there, uh, You know, who's going to be available at what position. I think that could be something to watch as well. Thank you all for being with us on this draft weekend and all the extra content. We appreciate your like, sub, and bell that you hit on YouTube right now if you haven't already. And also, make sure you check out ChiefsDigest.com, NFL 33, RGR Football, Locked On Sports, all of it together. It's been a long road to get to this point, but you have a fresh class in Kansas City. And the season's right around the corner. OTAs are in just a week, I want to say, Matt. Uh, well, you got rookie minicamp next weekend, and then yeah, right after that will be the, the two weeks after that will be the beginning of OTAs. So with uh, we're getting right around the corner. Three weeks from now, we're going to see this whole team as, as a unit out there on the field. Start your engines, folks. It's about to get real. Thank you for spending your time with us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with you for Monday's show, and we'll talk to you then. <laughs>